0: Resilience. Why, when faced with extreme adversity, do some people crumble and fail, while others seem to thrive and succeed? Hi, my name's Phil Holcroft. I'm a Wing Commander in the Royal Air Force. Today, I'm going to be joined by Graham Wilson, a coach, mentor, entrepreneur, and resilience practitioner. We're going to try and tackle this question about resilience, but to set the scene, I'll explain that I am currently at the Defense Academy of the United Kingdom. I'm studying resilience and I've got a personal fascination with this, this subject. It stems from my life in the military, being put through the rigors of flying training and our operation, undergoing the stresses and strains there, and also as an endurance athlete, deliberately putting myself in situations where I'm under a lot of pressure and I have to endure a lot of suffering. I have a fascination with can you build resilience and can that make you better in overcoming adversity? And finally, you know, as a family man, we've we've endured a pretty traumatic event when our youngest daughter was diagnosed with leukaemia. Fortunately, she's fit and well, but the journey to her health taught us so much. And I'd never wish it on anyone, but we certainly grew from that. So this fascination with adversity and how it can shape people's resilience is is something that I want to explore. Today, Graham Wilson is going to be my guest. So, Graham, he comes from a background in the Army. He can absolutely relate to the pressures and strains of life and operations. He's founded Success Factory over 25 years ago, and since then he's coached, mentored, and taught over 70,000 leaders and individuals globally around the world. He's a published author having published leadership laid bare the new leadership manifesto and most recently wabasugi the after resilience for everyday warriors he's a, an accomplished podcaster hence he's gonna have to humor me on my my very first podcast
1: uh, but today graham
0: a very warm welcome to you how are
1: you Hi, Phil. What a pleasure. What a lovely introduction as well. Thank you for that. Uh, putting <laughs> into good context. So no pressure there, but no, fan, fantastic. I'm, I'm really, yeah, you know, it's a subject that's close to my heart and, you know, similar to yourself, you know, a, a lot of experiences from the military, but also from business, but also from family as well. So a similar experience with our daughter who was uh, born with cerebral palsy, our youngest daughter. So I can relate to a lot of your stories and, and examples as well. So I, I'm really happy to share my insights and ideas and, and my thoughts about, yeah, what I think resilience is and and yeah, how we can develop it.
0: Brilliant. Oh, I know I'm very lucky and, and thanks for humouring me. I've after binge listening to your your podcast, <laughs> uh, I'm feeling slightly humbled by it. And I'm gonna try my best today. So
1: <laughs> I'm sure we'll have a great conversation. No idea, no idea where it's gonna go, but let's let's go for it and see what happens. And I'm sure the listeners will get some insights and ideas and thoughts from it.
0: So great. We find ourselves we're recording now in the UK's third lockdown for COVID. Clearly, the the whole country and individuals are under a lot of pressure, and some might be struggling. So, from your perspective, you know why why is resilience important to to individuals, to teams, and to
1: leaders? It's a it's a great question. You know why why is that important? I think for me, I, I like to link resilience to performance. I think you know it's such a, a massive topic, and you know we need to decode it and make it simple for people. But I think when we relate it to performance, and we all we all want to do a great job, you know, and we're all in different contexts, different situations. I saw a, a meme on a, on I think it was Instagram or Facebook or, or LinkedIn the other day around you know we're all in the same situation, but we're not because we all might like be in the ocean, but we're all on different boats or different ways or different things. So, so I think when you relate resilience to performance, I think then it makes it important that, you know, why, why wouldn't we want to be the best we can be? So it doesn't matter what's thrown at us and, you know, life will throw lots of things. And right now it's throwing lots of things around the the COVID crisis and lots of changes that we're going to have to make and lots of challenges. So when we relate that to performance, I think, I think that's what makes it so important because we all want to deliver the best we can be. And I think that's, that's what drives it. So from a leadership point of view, I always talk about leadership really is about, you know, how you awaken possibilities in people to deliver extraordinary results. And yeah, the job of a, a leader in, in a corporate environment is to, and, and I guess military as well, and is is to create this high performance environment where success isn't, is inevitable. So whatever you've got to deliver, you want people to perform and, and you know, it doesn't matter what strategy you got at the end of the day, strategy at the end of the day is always about, about people delivering whatever it is you need to deliver. So that element of helping people to perform at their highest level requires them to be resilient because we're in a world of fast change, the pace of change is so fast, it's so unpredictable, volatile, there's lots of uncertainty and complexity in there. So, you know, we need to develop that whole resilience piece to be able to enable people to perform at the highest level. So I think that's why it is so important. You know, we we want to get the best out of of this human factor that we have available for ourselves. But but also I think, you know, helping people to be resilient is, you know, why wouldn't you want to do that? You've know, all got a duty of care. So why wouldn't you want to have people who've got the ability to be able to form you know, in a situation I, I always talk about your resilience being you know that ability to be able to deliver in mission critical situation. We were just chatting with me before the uh the start of the podcast about the uh the video I saw um around this yeah you know, the pilot the helicopter pilot trying to land on a on a ship and we were talking about composure weren't we around you know you're trying to land a, on you know, on this platform and the ship's like a little dot in the middle of the ocean and it's bobbing around and yet, the yeah you know, the pilots you know appear to be very calm, very collective and you know, successfully lands the helicopter onto the ship. And you know, I think that's down to, you know, a lot of skill, isn't it? A lot of mindset, a lot of structure, a lot of process, lots of practice. And so I think it's important that, yeah, you know, as leaders, we we develop that in people so that we can all thrive in in today's environment or whatever the world throws at us. Yeah, you know, that's the key, isn't it? You know, that whatever situation in, you know you have the confidence and the ability to to thrive in it and and perform at the highest level.
0: What what a great start, that, that, <laughs> so much covered there, Graham. So I, I took from that this, well, you're probably familiar with this VUCA term, yeah. this volatile, yeah. uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. That's a term we, we talk about here at the mm. Defence Academy a lot. And and clearly that's important, not just for the military environment, but, but clearly your experience now teaching business leaders and teams around the world, yeah. that's, that's fascinating. That, that, that little analogy or or the story you told about the pilot, I, I can certainly relate to some of that, some of my <laughs> dust landings into sites yeah. in Afghanistan. That, that, you that. gave me a, a flashback there.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I, I, I think that the resilience or the ability to have composure absolutely stems from from training there. You know, there's yeah. some innate skill, but the training, and that, that's what I want to explore with you today. You know, yeah. can how trainable are we as individuals and 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 can we can we actually improve our resilience so i'm excited to look at that but i guess before we dive in to the way you train resilience in in the people uh, do you you have a way of defining resilience and 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 you know a way of describing it and i know you've got a model for it but do you have like a set definition or or words when you think of resilience what it is graham
1: yeah i mean it's really Isn't it to have a definition because you've got resilience, you know, being resilient, resiliency. And when you look at, you know, you go into a search on resilience, there's so much stuff that comes in, you know, mental health, wellness, all sorts of stuff. So for me personally, resilience is if you take that concept of linking it to performance, and if you think about, you know, how do you operate um, at a high level? Well, for me in performance, there's like three key elements. Number one is, is structure. Yeah, the processes, the ways of operating, the SOPs, I guess, in in your language, uh, which gives you the clarity of of what to do. There's the the mindset around your ability to keep that positive mindset and, I guess, manage the chemistry and the physiology inside the body, but also the skill set, yeah, the skill set to be able to deliver. So if you take those three concepts, then... Yeah, it starts to define what what resilience really is, and yeah, a lot of people talk about you know bounce back ability, don't they? That it's about how you bounce back from situations. But I think I think resilience for me is more about um, a way of being. It's about a way of living your life. It's around training and develop yourself to be able to in a situation where it doesn't matter what happens around you. You have the ability and the mindfulness, the skills, the structure, the processes, the ways to operate to perform and deliver whatever you need to deliver so for me it's a, it's a massive uh, it's a small word but it's a it's a massive uh, topic to describe there and we've um we've called uh, our resilience programs wabazuki which is a a made-up word and, and the reason we've done that is to help to define it really so if i take the concept we've got a lot of japanese uh, clients and we've got a lot of clients that are uh, just you know i suppose um driven by the, the japanese philosophy and I loved I loved their discipline from yeah you know, that that whole culture they have over there and it reminded me of the you know, the Rugby World Cup we've just had where over in Japan you you hear stories of the you know the spectators the Japanese spectators would clean the stadium at the end of a match you know and that just wouldn't happen anywhere else would it so they're so so disciplined in what they do and we took um, we took Wabazugi from two concepts two philosophies one is uh, called Wabazabi. And that's really around a a will, way of living, I guess, a philosophy that's focused on finding beauty and imperfections, and it's okay to be okay. And you know, if you look at nature, nothing's ever perfect in nature, is it? So we put ourselves under so much pressure in today as well, don't we, um, around having to be perfect at what we do. Um, yeah, which is good to strive for, towards, but it, but it's okay to be who you are, and it's okay to value art you are, and then be comfortable uh, with who you are. So that, that simplicity and freedom element of Wawazabi and that philosophy, you know, is is really fascinating because I think that for me relates to, um, to resilience. You know, I'm sure you can remember when you were doing your survival training or your, you know, caught behind the enemy lines, sort of type training, where suddenly life becomes very simple, doesn't it? Yeah, I need to survive. <laughs> I need, I need to have, yeah, safety. I need food. Yeah, I need water. Yeah, I need to get out of here, and that's it. That's all that matters. That simplicity is really important. So the, the Wabazabi philosophy is quite useful. So we've taken the Wabi bit of uh, Wabazabi. The Kintsugi one is really fascinating. So that's the um, what they call the art of precious scars, and that's around you know um when they have uh, crockery or china that breaks, they they remake it um, with uh, gold or precious metal. And their belief is that it's more beautiful after it's been broken so you know these these pots and and uh, works of art if you like so it doesn't matter if you're broken you can actually rebuild yourself and become back stronger so we took the the sugi of kintsugi and the wabi out of wabazabi and created wabazugi and that that's really where we call it the the art of resilience for everyday warriors because i think it is an art form i think it is something that we can develop i don't think we're we're born with it. And I guess you know, some of the psychologists and, and people will study that and say, well, there's part of DNA that, that makes you more resilient. Maybe there is, maybe culturally, I don't know. Uh, but for me, really, I think we all have the ability to become more resilient. Yeah, you know, I certainly uh, recognised that when I joined the military at a young age and realised actually how much I could do that I didn't realise I could do through you know, proper structured training. You know understanding the purpose of why we're doing things you know building in that that sort of way of working getting shouted at <laughs> for the right reasons of course <laughs> all that sort of stuff but there was a reason behind it and and you know it just helped you to realize actually that you know the human body is a survival mechanism but but what that sometimes does it stops you from doing things you know you could do um so I think I think for me that's that's probably you yeah, know how I how I would you know, define you know what what resilience really is—it's a—it's an art form. It's the ability to perform when it really matters, and the ability to perform in, in mission-critical situations.
0: Great. That, that, that's great. I, I mean, again, so so much there in terms of the thought you put into defining resilience. Uh, what yeah. I will say is, the military as a whole doesn't have a common definition. Yeah. Different departments do, and we don't have a, a common model. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I think that's a bit of a flaw, because when we're trying to make people resilience, we're we're not really telling them what it is. So I I think we've got some way to go there. Uh, And what we don't have is a model. Now, I was was very fortunate that you let me do your uh, Wabazugi uh, online programme, which is fascinating. The simplicity and the power behind it uh, really, really impressed me but as a model it has six pillars uh, it has vision vitality support composure persistence and decision making yeah so I, I think as a model if we develop one in, in the air force something that is that clear and that you know from the 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 most junior soldier to the most senior individual yeah. in defense they need to get it and buy into yeah. it and I, do you have any comments on the importance of models and why you chose to have a, a model for website yeah
1: i think i think twofold really i think one is yeah as you rightly said it's a massive topic and you know if you try and search it it gets a bit woolly because it hasn't really been defined and you know some people will talk about resilience being around um, mental toughness there's a whole body of work isn't it, about mental toughness and all that sort of stuff then someone else say well no it's more about well-being um um, some people say it's about this. Some people say it's about this, and, and it's, it's all all different. So when we were researching resilience, and over the years, you know, from my military background and and uh, you know twenty odd years worth of consulting and and working with many leaders from around the world, it was so I was trying to trying to get to a situation where I could decode it and simplify it for people, and and say, okay, well. If you develop in these areas, then you will become more resilient. So we took all the all the research we could find. Yeah, it's over a yeah, 20 odd year period, so it's quite an in-depth uh, research. Yeah, real uh, conversations, discussions. We we get um, an opportunity to work with quite uh, a lot of elite sports teams as well. So it's really interesting talking to them about how they see it. And I think they probably clearly defined it more than anyone actually. I think sport is a great way because they have to perform, don't they, in, in tough conditions and. I think they are very good at defining it and then actually you know, helping people and, and structuring their development to help them to be resilient in, in the in the moment. So so for me, I think the the aim of a model really is a it is a challenge because you don't want it to be restrictive uh, and there's always new research, and there's always new ideas coming through. But if you can take a, a top-level framework that gives people some guidance around topic areas that perhaps they hadn't joined together uh, and join the dots, I think. That's what really helps. So for me, I think what I've noticed is resilience really starts with you personally. It starts with what I call your know, personal leadership. So we, we do spend a lot of time on our programs talking about you know, what is leadership, and and simply we talk about leadership really about making an impact. It's about being you. Um, you know, the more you are yourself, the more resilient you are. Yeah, you know, the more you the more you try and be someone else, it takes energy away, doesn't it? So yeah, you know, we know in survival situations you've got to lower the pace, haven't you? You've got to survive and, and keep keep things ticking over at a, a lower sort of frequency. So I think yeah, that being you allows you then to be more resilient because you're not trying to use energy to try and be someone that you're not. A uh, classic case of that is yeah, in the military, certainly. I mean, it's a long time since I've been in the military, but I've worked with different military teams since then. A lack of vulnerability is, is one of the key things, isn't it, where people aren't prepared to you know, share that they're they exhausted, burnt out, or whatever, or yeah, you know, that stiff upper lip sort of thing, and they see it as a bit of a failure. So that that ability to be you, to be vulnerable, to be okay, um, I think is important. The ability to collaborate, I think, is really important. Yeah, you know, how you how you work up each other and support each other, and how you make an impact. So we we start off, yeah, you know, when we're developing resiliency, looking at leadership and personal leadership, getting that right first. And then, as you said, then, is the, the layer of resiliency, then, is, is the six pillars. So I wanted to create, uh, for the first time, that I could find, like, a holistic model. Uh, and I know lots of, um, there's been lots of academic research, and we looked at lots of different models uh, are out there, and tried to pull together all the stuff that I've learned from uh, conversations and seeing what people do, plus all the academic research, plus, you know, my, my gut feeling as well, I think, you know, what I think is important as well. And uh, We pull that together and and it came really into these these six pillars really where you know it's really hard to be resilient unless you're really clear about what your purpose is uh, what your vision is what your goals are and you know if if you think about that from an operating point of view it's it's very clear you know if, if i if i know what we're trying to do at top level then it makes it really easy to say well Actually, am I doing something that's taking us nearer to our vision? Or you know, am I doing something that's on purpose? Or is this going to help with my goals? If it is, then I can do it. If I can't, then I'm not going to do it. So it gives you that clarity, um, which is really important. So that, that whole vision piece, I think, is really important. And that's often people don't have that. And, and they're just going through life and they're just being done to by other people, they're having goals, and objectives, to get a salary or whatever, but they never really thought about who they really are as a person and what's their passion, why they want to do what they want to do, what is it they want to do, and I I can remember when I left the corporate world, so I had a military career, worked in the corporate world, and I decided that I wanted to start my own business, and I I remember sat on a a beach in Ross and with a notepad and saying, you know, what is a wonderful life? And just these words came up around adventure travel make a difference teaching all all the things that that were really important for for me and the family and i then used those words to say well, okay in order to create a business yeah that's going to give me this what must i do and i worked backwards from that and that that's given me a really good way of being resilient over what is it now 27 years worth of being in business through lots of ups and downs you know recessions you know 2008 and all that sort of stuff and obviously recently you know with the the crisis but being clear about about you know what is it your your real business is i.e what does it give you as a person as a family then it makes it a lot easier so i think that's that's you know how a model can be really helpful the other aspect as well is around you know once once I know what the other attributes are in terms of you know, this whole thing around vitality that if I know that there are elements of vitality because you take each of the six pillars can't you and go down another level so if I know that you know, resilience for me resiliency or leadership really is all about energy so you can't be resilient unless you've got the energy so how do i actually get energy inside my body and i know the military is is more about fitness training isn't it it's, it's, <laughs> but I, they don't look at it holistically do they about in terms of well they never used to in my day around you know mindfulness about diets and nutrition um how to sleep uh in the best way um you know all, all that yeah you know, all that how to be authentic all that sort of key stuff which when you combine that together will make you have more energy and more vitality which makes you more resilient. You know. It's more about right. Get up at five o'clock more in the morning, put a big pack on, go for a ten-mile run, <laughs> come back and have a full-cook breakfast, and then off you go for your day's work, sort of type of thing. So, there was some good stuff, but but it wasn't enough, I don't think. Uh, back in the day, I don't know what it's like now. It might have changed, but <laughs> maybe maybe not. <laughs> uh, so, so that whole that whole thing around vitality, I think, is important. And yeah, that. If you if you then link you know the vision to the vitality to then building a really important support network around you because I think that's something that we don't think about from a resilience point of view. You know, what's yeah you know, if you're a leader for example in an organisation or a military you're constantly giving yeah you know, you're giving your all aren't you to your team to enable them to be successful? But where do you get your energy back from? Yeah, you know, who supports you? Um, so. Having that really, you know, good peer group um, and network inside and outside of work, uh, to to be able to have a, you know, good sort of family uh, network as well, all those sort of things are are really really important because. They will help you. What, what's 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 the saying? I think my granny used to say, You a problem is shared, is a problem halved. I think she used to say, Absolutely,
0: um, well, yeah. She's a very wise lady.
1: She'd say things like, um, What will be, will be, which is a great thing to be- think about resilience, isn't it? You know, focus on the controllables. You know, I, I can't, I can't focus on the, you know, the things I can't control. I might be able to influence them, um, but what I can do is focus on um, what I'm in control of. So, there's those, those sort of things which are important, and then. Yeah, then you move into things like you know this whole thing around you know decision making and and persistence and all those key elements they all combine together to, to give you some indication so what we tend to do when we're working with people is we we share the model and and we get them to do a bit of a, a self-perception exercise around well where where would you score yourself on a you know, one to ten scale for each of those elements and then okay so how do we now help you to develop a toolkit a set of tools because that's 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 where the sort of theory hits the ground, isn't it? Is that it's all very well having this wonderful model, which I get. But what do I do? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not very good, my my energy's not very good, but what do I do? So that's that's where we provide the the important bit, I think, which is you're having a range of tools that you can dip into and think, you know what, it's a bit like you know in the old days, you have those graphic equalizers. Yeah, what do I what do I need to up a little bit? Yeah. So feeling a bit down at the moment is a bit down okay so let's really sort of focus on my my diet nutrition you know sleeping patterns all that sort of stuff do a bit more mindful sort of stuff to to boost that up a little bit or actually you know I'm losing my, my focus my purpose let's go back and revisit that or uh, actually you know what I've not I'm actually trying to do this all myself so maybe I need to build my my support network so what we've done is in in the program is created a, a whole toolkit of things that you know, we've learned, things that other people teach. You know. An example would be one of the elements we, we teach is the concept of red to blue, which is all about how you maintain composure used by the All Blacks and a lot of rugby teams and, and sports teams now. But you know, how, do you, how do you keep the physiology in a place where you're in the zone? Yeah, rather than go to you know, the redhead, which is you want to go and punch someone. <laughs> yeah, fight or flight sort of stuff to the, you know, I'm in the zone, you know, I've, I've got all the, you know, my brain switched on and I can operate at the highest level. So, so I think go you know, back to your question around why a model, I think it's a starting point for clarity. So if we go back to you know, those three things about performance, you know, structure, mindset and skills. So if you get the, the structure in place, that gives you clarity about what I should do in order to be more resilient. yeah And then the other bit, of course, is your mindset bit, which is, okay, develop your your mindset tools to remain positive under pressure. And then the final bit is then, okay, what skills do I need, or what tools can I use to 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 operate at an intense level? So I guess that's why that, that's why I think it's important.
0: That's great. So I mean, as I mentioned, so defense doesn't have a recognized model at the moment. And and working through your package, the importance of it and and the relatability of it was was really apparent to me. I I really enjoyed reflecting as you just talked us through an overview of it. And there's a couple of pillars I'd like to do a bit of a a dive into, Graham. Mm. Uh, What I will say is is the delivery of it is really key. You, You talked about how maybe military are a bit more autocratic. Uh, and that hesitancy to be vulnerable and maybe yep. authentic. I, I think that is slowly changing. We're a bit Good. of a dinosaur, yeah. the military, yes. but I think resilience is really important that leaders can show they're vulnerable mm. and it allows others to therefore be vulnerable, speak to them, yeah. use that support network yeah. as you, you'd say. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, lots of reflections on what you've just covered, Graeme. So one of the pillars which which really resonated with me was, was a pillar of vision and, and purpose. And, and working through your, your program, it made me reflect on a time uh, where my daughter had just been diagnosed with leukemia. Mm. I was in hospital. Um, I'd been basically by the bedside for a week and I I felt completely incapable of helping out i wasn't a, a medical expert mm. all i could do was was be there and that's someone who's a military person likes that it, <laughs> yeah
1: i think so yeah that, that,
0: that was so tough I, I basically didn't feel i had a purpose yeah. and, and the consultant told me you've got to start moving on with your life you know you've got to keep going and and for me, I I turned to sport, and I, I was entered in an Ironman triathlon yeah. uh, a week after. Uh, and um, and I, I decided I wasn't going to do it uh, because of what was going on with Isla. But all of a sudden, I thought, you know what, I can use this for good. I can use this to raise yeah. money for for a charity which was supporting Isla in hospital, raise awareness, and it was the most incredible experience, Graham. Yeah, I. Know. I on the morning of the event, I had all these hundreds of people who had raised nearly £10,000 for this charity. Mm. I woke up where normally I'd be nauseous. I woke up filled with purpose. It was that. I knew I couldn't fail. I knew I couldn't fail these yeah. people. I yeah. couldn't fail my daughter. And yeah. I had the most amazing day. I felt like I stormed round. I became the the, uh, the RAF champion Yeah. Uh, got a time far faster and it was this purpose, purpose this yeah. purpose absolutely yeah. drove me
1: yeah and, absolutely.
0: and since then I've, I've used sport and charity uh to to actually my way of contributing to, to Isla's condition I've, yeah. and, it, and it's back to the importance of purpose so I find it fascinating uh, I don't know if you've got any reflections on on vision and how you interpret that that pillar of yours Graham
1: yeah, I was listening to you talk there and, and reflecting on my own life. You know, about I, I can remember uh, my mum was a school teacher and uh, I couldn't wait to leave school, if I'm honest. I just I just couldn't connect with school. I played a lot of sport. I uh, enjoyed that bit. But the reason why I didn't enjoy it on reflection was that I didn't know the purpose of, of why I was learning certain things. And I suddenly joined the military at a young age and realised that if I don't learn this, potentially I could die. <laughs> so suddenly, uh, oh, I can learn things really quickly, and it had this sense of purpose behind it. So suddenly, I realised hey, you know, this this thing around purpose. Not really thought about it before, but actually it does. And you then start to think about well, how can I start to use that? You know, and get that clarity around your know, why I'm doing something. And and I can relate to that where you know my own daughter as well around. You know, she obviously was born with cerebral palsy. She fought for the, the first sort of six to eight weeks of her life in intensive care. And she came out of that and she's a quadriplegic in, in a wheelchair. But um, she wanted to, because there was so much um, charity and support and help out there. And one of the things I, I learned through the process of that is that, a bit like yourself, is that what's my role in this? What am I now? Because yeah, I'm a bit like you. I'm sat in, sat, sat in the special care baby unit again. I'm just sat here. There's nothing I can do. But actually being there, just being there is probably what you can do, isn't it? And being there for your family and daughter is the important. Bit. But what I learned there is that if you if you get into that overwhelmed situation, if you keep a, a learning mindset, then the overwhelm gets reduced. So I started to learn everything I could. Probably you did as well about leukemia, didn't you, around, yeah, everything around, yeah, cerebral palsy, what's it mean? Yeah, what treatments can you have, all that stuff. And, and that that became my passion and purpose. I think, okay, what can we now do to support Jenny? And, and one of the things that, as she grew up and, and one of the things we said to ourselves is, you know, we wanted to, to go to a, you know, a, if you can call it a normal school, but if you know what I mean, a, a standard, you know, what every other child will go to school, uh, which she did, which was great. And and one of the things she, she wanted to do at one point was to, go and raise some money to put some money back into the charities that had helped her, which I thought was a fantastic purpose. And uh, I'd spent obviously an earlier life, um, you know, climbing mountains and, and teaching outdoor pursuits, all that sort of stuff. And she said, I want to I go and climb Snowden. So I'm thinking, wow, that's a that's a, that's a, a big challenge, you know, in terms of someone who's in a wheelchair where, and I was yes. like, yeah, of course we can do that, Jenny. Yeah, and then inside of <laughs> the kid, wow. Yes, we need to get a team together. So we put a team together and, and we had all these plans and a lot of stuff and and we were gonna take it in stages and yeah you know, it was like yeah you know, camp one camp two and get to the top sort of stuff so we got permission to camp and all that stuff and but the weather for that particular summer was just atrocious so it got postponed, postponed postponed So eventually it was just like one little gap in the window I thought well we've got a day it's getting to the end of the season we just got to go and do it so we just did it in, in one day and uh, it was just amazing to you know think about a couple of times on that trip where. Yeah, the weather started to change as it does and it was getting colder and wet but you know that persistence of you know i want to do this because i want to i want to put some money back into the charities that have supported me Yeah, you know seeing her determination and obviously seeing her face at the top of snowden was probably the most the proudest bit and yeah you know, we had to carry her through different parts of it and but she sort of yeah, held up and, and walked through there but but what what that showed me really is that once you have that sense of purpose it's amazing what you can do And and sadly I think there's lots of people out there that haven't really spent time thinking about that. Yeah, you know, what their what their real purpose is, what they what they really want out of life. Um, we we in Success Factory we call it living a wonderful life. So our our purpose of the business is about awakening possibility in leaders and teams to deliver extra results whilst living a wonderful life. And that that wonderful life is around. Yeah, life's too short, isn't it? So you might as well enjoy what you do. So how can we create a, a business that's going to give people a life they want to lead? Um, so yeah, we're obviously you know working in a way that supports you know people's desires outside of work as well as inside of work, and I think that's that's an important thing to do from a, a business point of view, because when people are on purpose, they perform at a higher level, don't they? It's, it's quite simple, really. So that whole I always talk about. In organization, you know, an organizational level, you know, I'll go into senior teams, I'll say to them, well, yeah, what's the purpose of the business um, or what's the strategy of the business or what's the mission? And they come up with some trite thing that's written on the wall somewhere, but no one really believes it. And they don't really know what it is and they're not living it. So so I think yeah, that once you get that in place and you, you then work with a business that has a real clear purpose, that aligns that purpose, they know why they do what they do. They know what they need to achieve, and they know how they should should achieve it. Then that's when it really takes off, because you can build a an ecosystem, can't you, around that, uh, which is aligned uh, in a way that delivers in the most effective way. So, so I think yeah, that whole thing around vision and and, and purpose, I think is is crucial. It's it's one of those, those things that around um, uh, it was it Dan Pink, wasn't it? And his his work about what's the extraordinary truth that motivates people, you know, purpose was one of the key things. You know, if you if you give people purpose, they're more likely to perform at a high level. If you give them more money, it reduces performance, which I think is quite interesting. <laughs> so in, in a cognitive activity, if you if you pay people to perform at a high level, it reduces uh, their ability to perform. Whereas if you increase the purpose and center purpose, it will actually improve performance, which I think is quite quite fascinating. And I guess you, you get a lot of that in the military because people join the military because of a a sense of service, you know, a sense of purpose. So yeah, it's that whole mission, mission commanders and all that sort of stuff, you know.
0: It, it, you're absolutely right. So we, we often have a mission statement, which which yeah. is sort of the uh, the purpose for the team, and and I think people get behind that. But I think it needs to be done at an individual level, not yeah. not, not just a big unit level, an yeah. individual level. And, and what I took from do it. Doing the Wabazuki package. I actually I've been challenging my team since January first with a weekly resilience challenge. Brilliant. Uh, 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 one of them was was doing your birthday or your your age in press ups every day for the yeah. year.
1: <laughs> like it. you is miserable a <laughs> Minute
0: cold shower. But but week three was was write your purpose. Sit down. Think about your core values. actually write it down and stick it on the wall so mine's up here right now and every morning I I get to read it and think am I am I living by that so Mm. powerful stuff I'm going to move on to another pillar which which really resonated with me is it is about persistence yeah which is what you call it and the the main crux of my research hypothesis is if we manage stress in people's life in the military if we actually keep them on that that upper edge of the sort of the stretch curve can we improve their resilience so by very managed uh, program of stress and actually pushing people to their limits maybe inducing some of those beautiful scars which you talked yeah. about and yeah. getting people to grow you know can we increase their resilience to future trauma So can we do it in a training environment and then maybe on operations that they they sort of thrive and succeed so i I just as as the the man who put the course together you know how do you describe and teach that persistence aspect right
1: it it was it was the hardest pillar to isolate because i think it they all link together but i think persistence almost like it's like the red thread through all of it you know you it's hard to be persistent unless you've got a clear vision yeah, it's hard to be persistent unless you've got the support network in place. It's hard to be persistent unless you've got the energy and the vitality. So they all all link together. But for me, persistence is about being courageous and, and following through on, on what what you, you need to deliver. And that bit around you know, being courageous and being confident, you know, I, I often smile and and, and uh, you know tease a lot of senior executives in organizations. I'll say so things like, So in your in your, your key performance indicators, do you have you know, key performance indicators around trust um, or confidence or, you know, those words yeah. like that. And they look at me thinking, well, how do you measure that? No, well, no, we don't, you know. I think, well, surely you've just asked me to help you to create you know, the best environment, to perform at the highest level. Yeah. Surely you need people who trust each other and can have the confidence to deliver whenever it, yeah, 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 we need that. So why don't you actually focus on that then? And they don't, you know. And, they, and um, when you start to push it, you know, they've never been taught. How you how you develop confidence in people, and I think certainly from a, a leadership point of view, part of our job is that if it's about awakening possibility to deliver extraordinary results, it's about the journey you take people on to you know improve their confidence. And I think it's a you know, key deliverable as a leader is to build the confidence of your team. Most managers, old world managers I see in, in the corporate world, tend to destroy people's confidence. You know they'll They'll pick out the, you know, you go for the appraise, the dreaded appraisal, isn't it? And then the the old world sort of uh, annual appraisal, which is from the dark ages. And you've had a fantastic year. And they pick out the one mistake you made and talk about that one mistake, yeah, rather than all the great stuff you've done. and. So it starts to, to create this, this environment where, you know, people are actually having their confidence destroyed rather than improved. So we talk a lot about appreciative inquiry, you know, focusing on things that people are doing really well. So in the after action review sort of tie stuff, getting that balance around, okay, what didn't work? Why did that didn't work? But also what did work and why did that work? So I think you can learn just as much from the things that go well as you can from the things that go wrong. Um, you know, had to do more of the things that go well and less of the things that go wrong sort of type of approach. So I think I think that that element is really important. So the way I look at developing confidence is exactly what you talked about. I talk about mindset and I talk about there's a number of different mindsets we can be in. The the first one I guess is sort of the you know, the the chill out, relax sort of zone where you 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 just like yeah, your heart rate's really low and you're just chilling out and yeah, you're, you're not actually performing at a high level. And then you've got the the next bit, which is your comfort zone. Uh, and then the bit above that is in what we call the stretch zone, and then the bit above that is what we call the the panic zone. So if you look at that over a period of time, you know, you you start off with someone who you know has a a low you know comfort zone. Let's say your endurance, for example. If you said to uh, a team of people, say, okay, so you are going to run a, an Ironman. Um, session is it iron man or iron person i don't know what you call them now but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, yeah that aside you, you're going to do this, this endurance event let's call it an endurance event and you could see people like eyes couldn't you thinking there's no way because yeah i think you know in terms of some of the selection i've done in the military is no when i think about back on it again if i tried to do that straight away there's no way i'd have I'd done that so you go through a a period, don't you, of training that that almost like takes you out of your comfort zone, and you get into your stretch zone, and you're just about to panic, and then you stop and relax and review and recover, and then there's a bit of bit of R and R, and then you go back in, and they push you again, and they push you again. So you imagine if you're doing an endurance event, yeah, you know, you're not going to start off by, okay, let's go run, run let's go and run for like a, a marathon straight away. You might start off with, know, uh, let's let's see how far, yeah, you know, do a 5k or whatever. Get that in the bag, get a good time there, move up to 10K, do a half marathon, do a marathon, whatever it is. And it's in the stage way. But for me, it's, it's about how you create a, a high performance environment, which which I call high challenge and high support. So you, you build a trust. Uh, you build, uh, One of the things I learned from working with elite, elite athletes is that they won't listen to a coach unless they know that coach cares for them. And i think that's that's a really important learning I've, I've got from that is that from a leadership point of view you know people won't listen to you unless they know you really care for them so creating that high trust environment creating that environment where people know you're doing it for a reason they know why you're doing it and, and we've got this purpose behind it and we've explained the journey we're going to go on and we're giving it some meaning um and then And then you you can then start to push people, you know, and if if you've got a, you know, a high challenge environment with low trust, then it's just everyone panics, don't they? They go straight into the panic zone and stuff like that. Whereas if you create this, we're on this journey together. We trust each other. We're going to support each other. We've got this goal of running this endurance event. You know, we're all going to learn about nutrition and health and stretching and exercising and running technique, whatever it is we're learning. And we're going to go on that journey together and we're going to do everything we possibly can to take us from where we are now to where we need to get to so that when we turn up on that start line we already know we can do it Yeah, you know, we already know that yeah you know, it's in the bag it, yeah it's about how well i can do it at, at, at the yes. event Yeah, you know, not can i do this Yeah, you know, and a lot of people will turn up a, a, a marathon won't they They'll run their first marathon and going i'm not really sure whether i can do this <laughs> where you want to get into the start line going i know i can do this yeah, uh, because i've got the steel i have got the, the technique i've got the training in the bag I've got the mars and the legs and i i can actually do this so i think yeah we can do that in all aspects not just in sport can't we but in in all aspects of, of business so one of the things I've, I've noticed between the military and uh business i guess is in military we had the luxury don't we of of training and doing a lot more training a lot more practicing whereas business we, we tend not to do that we just go and yeah, watch a PowerPoint slide and then go and do it. <laughs> it's like imagine, you know, turning up and someone says to you a PowerPoint presentation of how you're going to operate your new weapon. You just wouldn't take people to war, would you, just by watching a PowerPoint slide, you know? And you probably <laughs> want to go and take them down the ranges, wouldn't you? And say, okay, can you can you do it when you're tired? You know, and here's some standards that you need to get to before we're gonna go operational. So there's there's a lot of things we can learn from that. But I think that that whole persistence and that whole thing around uh, that wonderful phrase after the military, called dislocated expectations. Yeah, you know, that whole thing around how do you react when things don't go to plan? And I think you mentioned before the VUCA world, and yeah, that's what's from the American military, isn't it? Originally, um, they probably stole it from somewhere. I can remember talking talking about it in the 80s. So. Uh, uh, so, it's been attributed to Iraq, hasn't it, I think, but so that was the 80s as well before that, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, how, how do you train soldiers to fight an enemy who you don't know what the enemy is, you don't know where they're going to be, um, you know, are they going to be in the Arctic warfare? Is it going to be jungle warfare? Is it going to be desert warfare? So, how do you train people to do to operate in this this world? It's been around for ages. And, and what you have to do is you have to train people to be able to think on the ground. You can't have a, a standing operation procedure that says, well, if this happens, you do this because often is never happened before. And we've seen loads of examples haven't we, of situations like the Twin Towers, for example, where it was a completely new environment where you, know, you needed people on the ground to think about OK, well this is not done before. Let's think about how we're going to do this. So Bill, yeah, you know, you know, Building that, you know, thinking leader I call it, or the thinking soldier, I guess, is the important thing, isn't it? Is that was it Mike Tyson? Was it the he's the boxer? He's famously he, saying that everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. I think I, I love that quote. Wait, yeah, superb. <laughs> I, I love the I love the Mike Tyson. Quote. I also like the the Rocky the Rocky films. Well, I always love a yeah you know, all sort of emotional journey, isn't it? The under the coming well, but that that quote where he's I think how much Rocky whoever it is. And he's he's coaching his son or whatever, and and he's, he's something like it's not about it's not about how many times you get a hit, it's about how many times you get up. You know, I think is is the key the key thing. Yes. and that's what success is all about. and He goes on to say some of, other wonderful words, but I've got that quote um, somewhere. But, so I, th- I think that's probably where where I'm coming from really around this persistence bit is it's definitely trainable. Um, it's definitely putting people in situations where. They can reflect and grow you know create this growth mindset because i i think you know as human beings we tend to underperform yeah you, know, you, you you'll know that don't you from endurance you know, you're thinking yeah you know, when you look at yeah who means we're not hugely different from each other just that you know you got the the training in your head you know you can do that stuff and i know you hear stories don't you of mums of of you know where they've had a car crash or whatever and they've lifted cars because their babies underneath it, you know, well, how, does, how do they do that? <laughs> yeah. they haven't suddenly become strong in, in a second, but they do, don't they? Because, yeah, the body tries to protect itself. So you've got this dilemma, haven't you, around, it's a bit like this simple thing of, of stretching, isn't it? You've got to overcome the, stre- the, the sort of reflex response, haven't you, to breathe, to be able to get a good stretch in. So there's all those sort of things that, that we need to be aware of and and think about to, to be able to be more successful at what we do.
0: Great, you, you may be reflected quite a lot there as, as you've talked about uh, persistence. Uh, I, I think in the military, we often uh, train the physical component. Yeah and we get it that interstretch and then we maybe do the intellectual component
1: yeah
0: we don't necessarily put resilience at the forefront as as a, as an objective to train yeah. And, yeah. I, and that's where i really am trying to dive into with my research because it is it is a component of that yeah. as as you train someone physically and mentally you are you are developing their resilience but maybe by putting a greater priority on it we, we could be yeah. much more successful Uh, You've also made me think about my my running sort of career. (laughs) I definitely aren't fitter than I was 10 years ago, but I genuinely believe I've built up mental resilience and and toughness over the years that I I can tough it out. I can, I can hurt myself more. And and I think that's, that's the main difference in in my performance recently. So I I just think there's huge, huge power in that there. Mm. Um, So Great. I've got one more thing, which I, uh, pillar I'd like to have a quick look at, and, and it's your your composure pillar. Uh, yep. and, and what sits behind that is a bit of how you respond to stress, that moment between stimulus and response. Yeah. Whether you can apply a growth mindset in a military it's so important. Yeah. When something goes wrong, and it will go wrong, as Mike Tyson says, when he yeah. gets touched <laughs> in the mouth. Yeah. Uh, it's about getting the right outcome so I, I, I guess if you were looking back to your your military colleagues knowing yeah. what you know now, how would you teach that composure element to them what what are the important principles to bring out?
1: yeah so I guess the the understanding bit uh, just going back a bit about the persistence bit as well I think one of the things that i I've learned that that didn't perhaps happen when I was going through my other training was that you were never shared the reason why you were doing certain things as in the uh the the sort of training methodology you just did it you went on with it so i think there's something that that perhaps can it's a bit like you know the uh just i don't know why that popped in my head but you know the the karate kid film where you know, mr muagi whatever his name is he's he's doing the wax on and the wax off thing isn't he but i think it would be more powerful explaining the reason why he's doing it before before he had to do it because it was like got to the end of the session before he then pulled it all together to teach him how you know why he was doing those sort of moves and things like that so So I guess there's a bit there but we're going back to this you know how do you teach um you know the i suppose composure or mental toughness i guess is that i think you you need to understand you know how the the biology the physiology and the psychology of of the the body really i think how how it all works so i think that was the biggest revelation for me and i i can remember you know someone saying to me years ago which really stuck in my head is it's you know you know when you're really angry, it's not the person across the table that's making you angry. It's your response to that. So it's not the person that's making you angry, it's you. And I'm thinking, no, that person's making me really angry. <laughs> and I went away and reflected, I'm thinking, you know what that is so true. you know that it, it's it's not the other person. It's just how I am responding to what that person's doing or what that person's saying. And that that was such a liberating experience for me to understand that actually, I am in control of my emotions. I am in control of what's happening inside my body. But like what you said there when you're doing your endurance events, yeah, you are in control of the pain, aren't you? You can, you can actually look at that and, and think about it because pain is just a, a, a signal in the body saying that, yeah, you're getting a bit tired, isn't it? What is it? It's something like... Um, this Navy SEALs, is it? There's, there's something like, I can't remember which variant it is now, is it something like when you're completely exhausted, there's still 40% left or something like that, isn't it? Or something, I, I think there's a phrase, yeah, I'm not sure whether it's 40% or 60% left or whatever it is, but there's a lot left in the tank, you know, and you see that, because you? I've seen that where, you know, when you're in combat situations where you think, oh my God, I'm exhausted, then, you know, a round goes off above your head and suddenly <laughs> I'm energized now to go and do another, you know, whatever I need to do to get out of the way sort of thing, you know, so there's always more in the tank. So, I think that, that whole thing around teaching composure is you've got to get into the, how does the human body work? Yeah, that whole thing around, I, and I always teach you, and you saw it in the program around, you know, this, this fight or flight response and about, you know, how the brain works and the factors yeah you know, there's the three levels of the brain and the triune brain theory and how, you know, really, you know, your response situation is, is almost like a, a survival mechanism that says, that, you know, if you, if you perceive danger... You know, if someone says something to you in a certain way or certain something happened to you, then it's like a reflex, isn't it? Yeah, the, the adrenaline, the cortisol comes, shoots in the body, switches off the thinking part of the brain and you just react in a, in a fight or flight or freeze or whatever sort of type way. And, you know, in the military, you don't want people to to freeze in that moment, do you? You want people to have, you know, the, the thinking part of the, you know, the frontal lobes and the thinker part of the brain really switched on. So teaching them how that how that system works in the body is 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 really really powerful um, to help them to understand then okay well if I get that and and I know now is that there's all these signals coming from my heart to my brain and all that sort of stuff how do I now control that uh, and the way you control that of course is through breathing yeah because no one no one's gets taught how to breathe do they no one yeah you don't have like GCSE breathing <laughs> exams at school but but breathing is the key isn't it the key it's a key bit about how you can control the physiology inside the body so you know if, if you can start to learn how to breathe effectively and start to control the signals that are happening inside your body it doesn't matter what's happening outside to you you're always in control which is fantastic so if, I, if i'm in a meeting and someone's really winding me up i can't control the other person because that's still the person but what i can do is control my response yes so that's so that's probably the the stepping stones is one is to help people understand what's going on. Yeah. And and obviously you can go quite deep kind into belief systems and you know, we have a little technique called ABC that, that can sort of, you know, what's the activating you know, trigger and stuff like that. And, and there's loads of, yeah, you know, we all have lots of different triggers, don't we? It can be you know, the physicality of someone, how someone looks, it can be the voice, it can be the tonality of the voice. You know, I'm I'm what 58 now, and I'll pick up my phone and it's my mum. And my mum has a certain tonality in their voice, and I know I've done something wrong. <laughs> I think I'm 58 <laughs> now, <laughs> and it's just something in there that that triggers off. you think I'm a little boy now, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not because I haven't spoken to her for a while or whatever. They're normally not sort of like that. But anyway, or told her something that I should have told her, or whatever, or whatever that sort of type of thing. But but yeah, we all have those different triggers, though. So so becoming more self-aware about what they are and then working out how do i actually self regulate and manage those sort of triggers um, but then you know how do, how do i then make sure that i can you know, create in this 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 sort of peak state and then that's where the the red taboo sort of type training comes in it helps to give you a a very simplistic model um, of terms of you know if i'm red i need to get to blue yeah yes and and now how do i maintain this blue so it's a very simple language to to that sports people yeah, you know, they're using only at the moment. Someone smacks them or whatever in, in a in a mall or whatever. They quite you know, see the the red mist comes down. It's like right, well, okay. How do I now control that? Recognize that's happened. Um, not punch them back and get sent off or get bin or whatever. But to maintain that, get the physiology working back in the body, get the brain switched back on again, remove the red mist and get back into the blue head, which is where I'm in control and positive. I can perform at the highest level. I can make decisions really effectively. Yeah, I've still got my periphery vision working all that sort of tight stuff. So that that's really how I, I would sort of look at it. That composure bit is building awareness and then then teach them how to to control it.
0: Great, that that's fantastic. I, what came across to me and I, I thought about when you were uh, you are talking through your uh, that pillar was the military. It's it's typically adversarial yeah you know it's typically out of our control yeah what the enemy is going to do or we're dealing with a humanitarian aid to disaster relief again it's outside our control so that importance of being able to control the controllables which is your individual response or your team's response that that really hit home so a a great way of looking at it what i would say is that i'm going to come to my final question now graham is is after eighteen years in the military, I've never been sat down and specifically taught resilience, and, and that's why I find <laughs> yes. it so fascinating. It's always been a, a secondary yeah. sort yeah. of effect, and, and I'm, I'm interviewing a, a wide range of, of people—you know, military members, yeah. uh, academics, uh, doctors, yeah. psychologists—and uh, I really wanted to get from you, as someone who's a civilian practitioner but understands the military. Yeah what your best advice to the military would be so i guess my final question is you know if you could give you know your, your top tips or advice when it comes to resilience training is there anything which jumps out from your experience on the civilian side speaking back to your former military self
1: i i think making it visible isn't it making it you know talking about it and saying look to yeah, if we if we want to perform and you know the in the in the army it was about be, being the best wasn't it you know if we want to be our best you know linking that resilience to performance and, and we all want to perform at the highest level then let's let's signpost it let's pull it out and talk about you know okay let's make it clear around that we are going to spend time developing our resilience you know and actually almost I have that as a you know my, my team's here now operationally I need it to be here and we're gonna we're gonna go on this journey together, and part of that is to make sure that we are resilient. So I think, you know, as you, as we mentioned before, having a clear model about what it is, so being really clear about you know why why we need resilience, what it is, and then how do you develop it, and making that clear, I think that's the starting point. Yeah, and I think you know what, because they're doing sport, they're just yeah you know, in, in elite sport, they spend a lot of time, don't they, talking about how do you become more resilient, you know how do you help athletes coming back from injury you know, how do you even even you know down to when you know uh, athletes retire how do you help them make that transition into into their new new role um you know, if you if you're, if you're a, a rugby player for example or a footballer and you you used to well before COVID days running out in front of massive crowds every saturday and suddenly you retire and you spent your whole yeah you know, particularly you know, the other guys coming through now have spent their whole life in a professional arena that they've lost their purpose, lost their identity. Who are they? So how do you support them to, to go through that? So I, th- I think if I was at my time back in the military, I think making it clear about the importance of it, you know, signposting it, uh, make it part of the curriculum. You know, it's it's part of you know, your your journey to, to be operational is to demonstrate that you can be resilient. So yeah, part of the training programs, you know, uh, yeah, I think that's probably what I, I'd. Yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to do, isn't it? To change the military. I know, but <laughs> I can, <laughs> I can, I can sort of think about, yeah, certainly what it was like in my day. Trying to get things to to change was was a, a nightmare. But I think, by the sounds of it, it, is changing, isn't it? Which is good. Um, but I think, I think if you can make it more relevant and almost like link it to a league performance, isn't it? I think, I think that's the trick, is it? When you, le- you link resilience to when I, um, you know, talk about in the corporate market, you talk about resilience. Yeah, you'll see, P- see CEOs going, oh, that's, that's hr stuff. That's, you know, that's mental wellness and all that stuff. Not interested. Yes. But when you say, well, actually, no, it's about how you improve the performance of your people. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm more interested in that. So so maybe it's about, you know, moving it away from the, you know, the wishy-washy sort of resiliency sort of type stuff that can be out there uh, to actually this is about elite performance. Yeah, you know, to to be an elite performer or whatever, you know fly helicopters or maintain helicopters or, or part of the team whatever you do then you need to be resilient at what you do i think that's that's what would be my advice
0: uh, great advice graham so uh, a, a few things really uh, chimed with what other interviews had said and that was about the prioritization importance yeah. deliberately training it rather yeah. than secondary effect uh and the fact you have a model for it as well i i, I think yeah. that's something i i'd take as something yeah. that the military can can take from it and then finally that that point you made about linking it to performance and that that's something we're starting to see we have something called human performance yeah. and, and resilience and and there's absolute overlap there so, yeah, so that, exactly. that's fascinating so that's a great, we're, we're gonna we're gonna end there so we, we we set ourselves the target of trying to answer the question you know why when faced with extreme adversity that some people crumble and fail and others seem to thrive and can we change it and, and I think we've certainly gone some way in, in, in coming up with some answers. Uh, Good. Great thank you so much for your time that's hugely appreciated uh, and, and it's been, been great to chat to you.
1: My pleasure.